0: Professor, without knowing precisely what the danger is, would you say it's time for our viewers to crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo inside? Yes, I would, Ken.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Mailbag, where we answer your questions to help you with your team this 2023 season. Almost did the old intro for the preseason then. That was great. (laughs) My name is Damo and joining me, as he usually does, is Clarky. How are you, my friend? So round one, it's finally the books. We're out
0: of the preseason demo, isn't that great? And I'm feeling good, and all of that research I did totally paid off, and left me sixty-four thousandth, the, the <laughs> approximately. Um, so to lighten the mood, uh, I did ask uh, Chatbot GPT to write me a supercoach related joke. Uh, to start this, but so demo, why did the Supercoach buy a parrot? Go on. To teach him to say captaincy loophole. We're all safe from AI, folks.
1: (laughs) I think, um, I don't think AI is taking over anyone's job anytime soon.
0: You hear that, Jerry Seinfeld?
1: (laughs) Like you said, round one is in the books. How did you go, Clarky? Who was, or what was, your good, bad, and ugly of the week?
0: So, my good Max Gorn. Who'd have thought? I did. I'd have thought. And uh, the lovely Ben from Supercoach Insider. We said something that sounded crazy at the time. And it worked out. Uh, 140 from Gorney And it was just really good seeing him play that role. I was at the game. It's nice to be back at the footy. And he was just everywhere, like, taking marks, kicking balls out of bounds instead of through the goals. Um, you know, it's it's nice to have the true experience. Uh, look, probably it's hard to pick a bad from my team. Um, I'd probably say my bad would be Tanner Brun, uh, which I think a lot of people had started off pretty quickly, like scored a decent amount of point, his points in that first half. Uh, once the medical sub was activated and Puff came on, it looked like Brune kind of got shoved out of position and, Basically attended, I think, maybe one or a single-digit CBAs for the a second half. A bit of a
1: mix of the magnets to make it all work once Tom Stewart yeah. went off.
0: Which you can't predict, um, but it was it, it was good signs that he was able to score so quickly, and he was very good when he did have the ball, but it kind of worries me a little bit that he's so easily shuffled around, so we'll see what happens with him this weekend. my ugly has to be the Rory Laird captain. Oh, that's... That one stings.
1: That was ah. a tough game, though. 37 degrees and very humid. I I think the players were just trying to get through the game without without succumbing to heat stroke. So I'm hoping that Rory Laird can get back to his old self this weekend. And I'm holding him. Yeah,
0: but... By his own admission um, after the game, he did, or, you know, the day after the game, he did say that it was not just the conditions, it wasn't a tag, it was just the GWS midfield ran over that Adelaide unit and he was just starved of the ball. And that's, it's, you know, it's easy to make excuses for a Primo like Laird. I think you do have to wait for him one week, you know, that's... It's kind of, you got to give him that benefit of the doubt because we know he's a proven quantity. But his, like everything was down. His tacklers were down, couldn't get the ball.
1: And up against Richmond this week, perfect chance to rebound. Richmond yeah. don't usually tag. Their midfield is usually quite open. They usually rely on the ball coming out through, through, through a handball system to move it forward. So there's every chance that Roy Laird can bounce back and that 50 only stays in his price cycle for one week. So, yes, he might dip in price a little bit, but his break-even is going to be right there for him to take over again pretty quickly. But Damo, what's your
0: good, bad, and ugly?
1: My good was Jared Wits. I'm quite glad that I paid up for him. Uh, yeah, baby. I knew getting someone in like a Wits or a Darcy or even a Gorn um, was going to be the best way to go people were trying to see who they could pair Marshall with and go as cheap as possible but I decided to pay up and get and you know have some insurance there because Marshall actually wasn't that great he gave away a few free kicks but ended on 80 I imagine he's going to be better this week but who knows people are probably going to hold on to him because who else have we got really um I mean, but 140 was excellent first up from Jared Witts. He scored the same as Max Gorn, so can't be unhappy about that. My bad, it feels harsh, but it's Will Ashcroft. He was fine when Brisbane had the momentum, but as soon as Port Adelaide took over, he, he was lost. Yeah. He, he, he was lost to it. and um, I'm not worried about him, but he's my bad this week as harsh as that may be. He looks worse
0: in comparison to the other other 200k ish rookies that we were paying for. Like Cam McKenzie had a really good game against Essendon and Finn Callahan had a really good game. So um I think it might that kind of might be magnifying, you know, Ashcroft's 55. Even Harry
1: Sheasel had 114 yeah, oh. playing off half back, but Ooh, that was record. Moved, when they moved Will Ashcroft to the forward line in the second quarter, his scoring was just—he was almost going two points per, per per minute when he was up forward. So I think they know what sort of role he needs to play. It's just about Brisbane giving the ball enough supply that the opposition can't, you know, have have the momentum swing in their favour too much.
0: Yeah, and they're playing Melbourne this week as well. So I don't, Melbourne, we don't—we only really have one, maybe a, a secondary loose tag. So, Harms might go to somebody and then maybe Viney plays some hard football. But I don't think Ashcroft or anyone is going to... might be the beneficiary of that, if anything.
1: And my ugly is Liam Jones. Five points oh. in 40% game time. Poor boy. F- forget the injury. He just wasn't scoring. Um, I Even if he does play this week, I'm I'm not keeping him. I just... <laughs> One kick in in forty percent game time, I'm 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 not I'm not holding on to that because I can use the money better somewhere else. Yeah, that role
0: that he had in the preseason that we all really liked kind of just wasn't there. Melbourne, were, and I say this with the least amount of um, bias as a supporter, but just really dominant and like demanding of possession. Um even ba- like Bailey Dale had a pretty rough one. Josh Bruce was average as well. So um, I was actually down that the injury happened down the end that I was. I didn't see the exact collision that Jones had with Bruce, but he did look rough when he got up. But you're correct in saying that five five points and a half of footy kind of, there's,
1: there's other options
0: that we should be looking at.
1: Lots of questions this week. People are itching to get trades underway, but just remember, prices don't change until after round three, so you can have another look at players this week before you really need to make a move. But let's get to the questions. Let's do it. The first one comes from Marto on Twitter. We love Marto. He hey, Marto. did some stuff for, for uh, Jock Reynolds last preseason. He wants to know, what are our thoughts on Jacob Hopper? It seems too many are, and this is Mato's words, hopping off him uh, way too early. The thing about Jacob Hopper, the thing that I found was when he was on the ground, he looked lost. When he And he was off the ground for large periods of time to the point where he would actually miss center bounces. And center bounce clearances are his bread and butter. And so he wasn't scoring the way he would usually score when he was at the Giants. So the Richmond essentially took his one wood away from him. So he couldn't command the ball like he usually did in close at stoppages in the, the center clearance, uh, in, in, the, in the center bounce setup rather. So yes, people are jumping off him way too quickly but i also don't hate people for jumping off way t- uh, way too early because if p- if people are unhappy with what they've seen in round 1 i don't know if round 2 is going to be any different especially considering it seemed to work with their midfield mix
0: 61 disposal 61% disposal efficiency 72% time on ground for Hopper in what we could realistically say, and with all due respect, absolutely terrible game of football to watch. So you you can make an argument to wait. You can make an argument to trade. I think it, depending on your target, so to, to put a personal element on it, um, I would be looking at trading Hopper this week if it got me sheasel in my forward line through some DUP trickery. Um, or if it got me, say, onto a Nick Dacos where there's that clear present upgrade, it's it seems to be the trend at the moment where people are fighting between, do I be aggressive or do I be conservative with 36 trades? So being aggressive to fix your team for those of us who, you know, myself included, probably took a lot more mid-prices than we were really really comfortable with after seeing results. You know, it's kind of, it's hindsight getting the better of you where I kind of was like, oh, I'm really hot on all these guys and now that round one's over, I'm like, I've made some terrible mistakes. Um,
1: And that probably comes with only having one preseason game. We couldn't see who was the traps and who did and didn't have the role. We kind of just went off one game's worth of data and... In the past, the first game of the preseason was always the one that sucked people in, and then the second game of the preseason was always the one that straightened us out. And we didn't have that second game to straighten us out. Essentially, this second, this round one, is that is is that game to straighten us out. And now we're seeing people, and if we go to the next few questions, people have asked about Bruin and Flanders, and even Jason Horn Francis. Are these players okay, like good to bring in or to trade out? And the answer is. We like Tanner, like Tanner Bruin had the role, like we were talking about earlier. He had the role. Um, this question comes from Tim Walsh. I should just say this now. Um, he wants to know if he should trade Bruin or Flanders or give them one more week. The thing with Bruin is, and we spoke about this earlier, once the Tom Stewart injury happened, he was moved around. Um, so he had the role that we wanted for him. It's just once Brandon Parfitt was inserted into the game Bruin didn't have that impact that he was having before the Thomas Stewart injury. And so his scoring stalled. And if Bruin is going to be that player that moves around, depending on the structure that they have available to them based on their, the player availability, then maybe he is someone that you got to look at to move on because if he's going to, because he might have a hundred one week, 60 another week, 41 week, and then maybe he's the sub every now and then as well, which would be an absolute disaster, especially at his price. It could mean that he doesn't really get to a good price, doesn't become that good stepping stone. Kind of reminds me of Jordan Clark from a few years ago, where Ooh. we brought him in at 280k or whatever it was. He was getting games, but he wasn't getting a consistent role. So his scoring just dried up and became we were happy with getting forties out of this guy that we spent 280 K on. And really we shouldn't have been happy with those sorts of scores at all. And people jumped off early. Some people stuck with him because he was playing, but I think Bruin is a victim of an established system.
0: Yeah. I think that, I think that's fair to say, um, Brune, I think, out of out of those three, if we're since we're combining the questions, Hopper, I would say you could give another week to if if you're in the fortunate position where you are, don't absolutely have to trade him, you could give him another week, and I think we could probably see an improvement on 67. That's because we know what he's capable of. He didn't use the ball well, and Richmond will look to clean up their game this week. Brune has, as you were saying. The movement effect, which, well, if he's going to get shoved to the side that quickly, Jack Bowes has come in this week and they've got another debutante whose name escapes me right now.
1: Cooper White will be debuting as the sub.
0: So we've seen as well that coaches are willing to use the sub as a tactical advantage. So if something happens and they need to move the magnets around again, who's to say Brune isn't gonna do that? It's a Bruno, I would say is a victim of football being about football and not super coach. <laughs> um which and Flanders had had a big game disposal wise. I think it was something it was almost twenty twenty disposal, but nineteen or so. Uh just over seventy percent efficiency. And you know, had two goals to his name. It's It's a wonder that he didn't score more than 64. So it must have been the low impact that his possessions actually had. But you could say somebody who's racking up 19 possessions in a game against Sydney. Sydney are a very aggressive team and they're very Gold Coast struggled in that game. You can tell just by the final result. So I would say Flanders you could possibly even give another week to if you are in a fortunate position that you don't have to.
1: All three of these guys, Hopper, Bruin, Flanders, I would give all of them another week. Their prices aren't going to change. You're probably not going to get that much worse or that much better from trading them to someone like a Harry Sheasel if you missed out on him or Connor McKenna if you missed out on him. But you are going to get another week of data to assess. Obviously, if you didn't watch these players play in round one, you're probably going to watch them play in round two just to assess how they're playing and the role that they have. So Bruin, Flanders, Hopper, you could hold them for a week. But as you also said, Clarkie, it also depends on what the trade does for your team as a whole. If you can trade these guys and get yourself a must-have rookie and a premium with all, with all the cash moving all that cash around then maybe it's not a bad trade after all maybe it actually puts your team one step closer to being complete which we all strive for but if 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 you're going mid-pricer to mid-pricer or rookie to rookie does that actually help your team in in the in the, in the long run and so it becomes that question of what did you want out of these players in the first place what didn't they do in round 1 that you need them to do in round 2 to be able to stay in your side and can you not do anything to them this week and be happy with a potential dud score next week and then move them on after that
0: yeah so to to lift the curtain back on my own team um i have already at, at this at this stage we have the teams for Geelong and Carlton which is going to be the The Thursday night. Brune has already left my team to bring in Sheasel because that frees up cash for another potential trade I may make before... I want to find out if Liam Jones is going to be named or if he's going to leave the side because we saw St. Kilda leaking points to defenders. I mean, Brennan Cox almost broke the record for marks in a game and scored, what, 150-odd? Luke Ryan scored 170 or reverse or something like that. So...
1: It was something along those lines where they scored massive amounts through intercept marks and markings. Three big
0: defenders from Fremantle, Young, Cox, Ryan, all turned up. So Bailey Dale, Liam Jones, even Josh Bruce. You could probably, Caleb Daniel as well, all potential to score well this week, even if you end up trading Jones later because you want to bring in McKenna because it frees up Cat whatever. But at least you don't. You're not going to end up with too much of a dud score.
1: And we had several submissions for this. We should probably bring Jason Horn Francis into the discussion. Yeah, I mentioned his name earlier, but we probably need to talk about him because he had a massive game for Port Adelaide. And twelve months ago, we were talking about this guy as a generational talent. As this guy was playing Sandfall at sixteen years old. So we know that he can play well against men, against bigger bodies. And now we're seeing him comfortable in a happy, in an environment where he wants to be And And that's nothing against North Melbourne there. It's just the kid wasn't happy. He needed to come home, but. Which is wild because apparently you can get away with anything at North Melbourne and they'll just put you through a training program. Maybe a different podcast for that one. Yeah, sorry. Um, But is he a real option? And he is one where I would say you need to see him a second time. Yeah, I
0: I absolutely agree with you on
1: that. Because I feel like round one every year is a bit strange. Like, we all have great ideas about how our team needs to look. Then round one rolls around and you see someone like Ryan Clark score 143 and he's... 219k in the forward line and everyone's like damn it i knew he was going to be valuable and then <laughs> and 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 then from then on he averages 33 points for the rest of the year it's like yeah it's like round 1 always seems to throw up these scenarios where these players are just trying to show that they should be in the team and then once and then and then it's just from there i th- i think round 2 will show us the real output of the players that we selected.
0: Yeah. And look, I think we actually spoke about it on a mailbag where the reason why some of us weren't picking Jason Horn-Francis was because there were multiple points in the preseason where Horn-Francis was getting midfield time. Zach Butters, Ollie Wines, Travis Boak, you know, Connor Rosie, And we had all these guys to choose from. Not to say that Horn-Francis isn't talented and he had a game of a lifetime um, really like to explode out of it when you're coming from a new from a to a new club. So I think I think you need to let him sit for one more week as well. Brisbane were woeful. I I don't think that's too harsh to say that we expected better from Brisbane because they are a better team than how that game shook out. Um, you know, Horn Francis. I didn't. I saw bits of the game. I unfortunately didn't watch the whole thing. But there were just times where you just... And just everything was going right for him as well. So, I think you need to wait one more week. If he scores, I would say anything 80 plus this week, I would 100% be considering him for my side at the end of round two. Uh,
1: Situational question now. Oh, very good. Jevs has sent us an email... He wants to know, should he trade Bruin and Hopper to Callahan and Sheasel? It would give him 200k in the bank and ensures that he doesn't have to squeeze in all of his trades in round two if he has missed a rookie. Now, let's put a pin in that question because <laughs> Fraser Kenny has asked, who are the must have cash cows, do we think? After round one. So let's go through the must-have cash cows. Let's start in defense. Ruben Jinby. Yeah. Do we think Liam Stocker is a must-have cash cow? I want one more week. On I want I want one more week as well. So he's not a must-have just yet. Connor McKenna, must-have cash cow. I he would looked, agree. He looked fantastic against Port Adelaide. So I would say yes. Darcy Wilmot appears okay. So I would put him in the... I would put him in the, if you don't have him and you you need someone in defense, he's an option. Charlie Constable. There's a watch on Charlie Constable with the return of Lockie Weller. I think Constable is safe. And his role, despite his ball use, would probably make him a Mm must-have. Lockie Cowan has survived and is playing against Geelong. So he now becomes a must-have if you don't have him. Praise. Uh, Moving to the midfield. Is Finn Callahan a must-have? And is do we do we class him as a rookie? Oh, uh, um, okay, we'll stick a pin in that one as well. He's yeah. pr- he's probably one that you can have another look at. So yeah, I've got I've so, got I've got fifty-fifty thoughts. I, okay, I think against he's, West Coast, yeah, I,
0: I like bringing him in this week because as yeah. well, Josh Kelly's gone, Perryman's gone. Okay. This week would be the week to have him because that's going to, whatever he scores, we can see that he's turned up. Yep. Against, against Adelaide, who are yep. a much better side. Okay. So this week, I would say yes.
1: Okay. So this week, he is a must have. After this week, we will know for sure. Yeah. Uh, so th- that probably doesn't help anyone. Um, <laughs> will Ashcroft. Is still a must-have, but hey, he's in like 80% of teams. So if you don't have him, I don't know where you've been hiding. Cam McKenzie is a must-have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Had the role, played well. Uh, Really good young talent.
1: Matthias Philippou, I would say he is a must-have from first impressions. I'd give one more week.
0: I I don't trust St. Kilda. I really don't trust Ross. I don't trust him.
1: I'm just trying to think of the rookies around. Oscar Baker, 43... in his first official outing for, for Western Bulldogs. I actually still think he's a must-have. He's cheap. 43 isn't ideal, but if that's his floor
0: and his ceiling's like a, you know, a 55 to 60, you'll, you'll take that. And he looked really good. So once again, out there watching the game, but like free of the commentary bias, um, he looked really comfortable in that Bulldog squad. And he did a couple of really good things. He kicked a goal. Um, and they, they really used him well. So I think, I think he's definitely one that you could say, keep him. If you've got him, if you don't have him good, cheap option.
1: Campbell Chesser, No, he is one we need to see another week of to see if he
0: survives,
1: see if he survives. I think he is a massive sub risk. Yeah.
0: Out of all the West coast rookies that we've got floating around, He is probably, I'd say, looked the least comfortable out there.
1: And to answer Tim Walsh's question, what do we think of Tom Cole? Is his score a flash in the pan? Uh, Based on history, you would assume, yes, the score probably is higher than what he would usually produce. But at 184K or whatever he is, I actually don't mind... Him, but I don't think he's a must-have. I think you can watch him for one more week.
0: Yeah, he had a really good. He had a really good role. He used the ball really well, and he's ten k more expensive than McKenna. So I probably would put him behind McKenna in the wait and see list, just purely based on price.
1: Okay, uh, Alwyn Davy Jr. I think that he is a must-have. One hundred seventeen k mid forward looked fantastic. Looks exciting. Essendon have something to be excited about this season with that kid. So I think he is a must-have purely for the DPP, purely at the price point.
0: He is a must-have because he is good vibes. You know how good it is to have a Davy playing football again?
1: It's good. In the forward line, Luke... No, yeah, okay, Luke Pedler. He scored 83... 173k. I feel like people forgot or didn't look into Luke Pedler enough. This guy's sandfall finals last season were incredible. He was one of Adelaide's best reserves players throughout the season. And now, and against the Giants, he was probably one of the only players that actually did something in that heat. And, and, and it was hot, but he scored 83 and he, and he and he was going at a, at a quite good pace with his scoring well he was he, like he was getting the ball he was up around the soppages. he was good and i think maybe not a must have but he's someone who you could definitely look at if you want to move on someone like ben king or josh bruce if you have someone ar- around that sort of price point
0: yeah, um, Bedler made my team over Sheasel. I was in a fifty-fifty, and I wanted the twenty k. Um, but really good signs from him, so I would put him on the list of must-have if you don't.
1: Harry Sheasel, I would say must-have.
0: Must-have. Uh, even for... even if he only averages like seventy, he still has ceiling
1: for his role alone. I think he's a must-have. And yes, he has said that his role might change from game to game, depending. and they've even said if he gets starts getting attention, his role might change. But I think that just for the fact that Alistair Clarkson is creating plans for him within games means that he's got good job security, and job security alone, plus his scoring potential with that ceiling, makes him a must-have.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it's it's another case of I'm gonna I'm gonna coin it the the Harry Himmelberg lens, where you've got this kid who is really talented in one position. Why would you move him around when it's clearly worked well for North?
1: I think the only reason they would move him around is if he starts getting attention from the opposition, and it would purely be to escape a tag.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me. But,
1: you know, still a must-have. Uh, Fergus Green. No. I actually don't think he's a must-have. He was a must-have before the season began because he kicked 55 goals in 17 games in the VFL or something and was absolutely amazing. And like he was and he, and he was going to be the new Jack Gunst and all that sort of thing. But Hawthorne were overrun by Essendon who we, who had a great game on the weekend but do we think they're going to do much this year it's it's <laughs> It, it's 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 hard to say because new coach new system hey the wording out of essendon is we're is is we're growing it's going to take time Pat, so i
0: want to know patch please message me if you listen to this particular section feel an immediate pain in your chest uh I,
1: I i i love you patch but <laughs> when essendon come out saying it's going to take time we're a, we're growing we're developing a system it doesn't instill me in confidence that they're going to be a competitive side it 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 it, it tells me that they're going to put processes in place for during a game and when it doesn't pay off they will they will tweak the process and it might take a few weeks they might lose a few in a row but they're going to be a good team under brad scott is it is it this year that they're going to be a good team i just don't know that I want to see one more game from Essendon, but... Anyway, I, like object- Objectively,
0: okay. and, and this is positive for guys like Alwyn Davey as well, Essendon seemed to have have a game plan that worked using the talent of the f- field that they've got. Okay. Fergus Green was lucky not to play himself into a must-trade for me. I was really disappointed with that 30 output in a game where they got overrun because you can't have a forward who's just not... They don't have a role... Or, like, a role that's favorable super coach wise, or they're not kicking goals.
1: And three more rookies to run through Anthony Caminiti. Yeah. Charlie Collins. Looked really
0: good, Caminiti. He had a, like, for a young kid first game, could at, improve.
1: At 196 centimeters and only 80 odd, odd kilos, he had good strength about him. So, and he will only get better. Um, but I don't know if he's a must-have. I did start him because he was cheap and I needed someone in that pro- at that price point.
0: And he will have opportunity because Saint Kilda have no forwards.
1: And Membry and King are still quite a few weeks away, yeah. so he- so he should get a couple of price rises at the very least. Yep. Um, Charlie Combin, he scored eighty after being shifted to the ruck after Sherry's. Injury. I don't know if he's going to have that every single week. So I would like to see him again.
0: Surely Goldie comes in. I don't know. We'll find out this week. I wouldn't be rushing to bring Compton in though.
1: And the other one is. Chinandla Bong? Is Cade Chandler. So
0: I like Cade Chandler. He is a good player, he will have opportunity. He will be easily displaced in the best 22 and be a massive sub-risk.
1: Considering Fritch, Viney, Salem, and there's someone else whose name escapes me. Stephen May. And Stephen May, all are likely returning.
0: And this week, there are four clear options for them to replace. So Fritch will come in for Cozzy. May will replace Tomlinson. Salem will probably replace McVee and Laurie will probably be replaced by Viney. But when Cozzy needs to come back, Chandler, Spargo, and Sparrow are probably my three picks for the guys who are close to first out, and it will be 100% form-dependent. It's not a lack of skill. It's not a lack of effort. It is purely who's hot right now.
1: you think Tomlinson comes out for May?
0: It makes the most sense to me because Tomlinson was... Playing May's role, so okay. and they're they're pretty much the one for one because they're covering the tools. The lever's not going to do it. Paris and Petty is like ironically won the position from Tomlinson when Tomlinson had that horrible knee injury. Um, and I think if May's fit, you play you play May. He's the he's the back line general. Um, but I do think Tomo deserves a run. Once again, there's a lot of things that could shake out in the mix, um, but I don't think it also, I don't wouldn't see it affecting whether Chandler plays or not. That's Uh, pure,
1: that's pure footy folks for you. So Kay Chandler is one we need to look at for another week purely because of team selection in round three.
0: I just, yeah, it's, it's going to be a matter of when Cozzy comes back. Like, what, what we do when Kozzi comes back, if Chandler's been having a really good role, they do love like guys like Charlie Spargo pushing up onto the wing, which is why Chandler probably is getting a lot of the ball as well because of that work rate, um, very similar to Spargo. So, you know, it's it's hard because I love him. I, he's great. He's just he's the new Toby Bedford um, where he's just massive sub-risk. But even then, if they're using it
1: tactically, he could probably still come on and make money at his price. All right. One more question to go. Uh, sorry, there's two more questions to go, but one of them, um, who is the best Liam Jones options in a sideways trade? I think we went through all of the must-have rookies. So if you're not holding him to see if he gets selected, grab one of those rookies that we mentioned.
0: Ashcroft would probably be number one.
1: What Followed went wrong him. with Ashcroft? I think- oh, I, I Sorry, to
0: Ashcroft. I think you're McKenna. The Mc- other Mc- Brisbane guy. The Sorry. other Brisbane guy. McKenna number one for Jones. Mc- yeah,
1: McKenna number one. Uh, number two, Jinby, if you didn't start him.
0: Yep. And I'd probably say Cole is even with um, maybe Stocker, if you wanted to go like a sideways sideways. Yeah,
1: Cole, Cole or Stocker as, as your third options. Um, And what went wrong with Ashcroft? Well, when Brisbane got run over, he went with them. That was the bit. That was the biggest issue. I think <laughs> yeah. if I think if Brisbane have a good game, Ashroft is going to have a good game. I think Port Adelaide were just so dominant that not even that that, that no one could really get going.
0: Look, I've, there's a bit of bad blood between Melbourne and Brisbane at the moment, um, particularly uh, one one Dane Zorco. But that Brisbane that I watched is not the Brisbane I enjoy watching, and I don't think there is a world where they don't bounce back from this stronger and move things around to really give themselves opportunity. Like Ashcroft, if you go, go watch the highlight of him kicking that goal, just pure class. Like that kid is something like he's going to bust out a 90 or a hundred at some point really soon. If Brisbane pick up.
1: That's all the questions for today. But of course we did discuss captaincy before we close out. Who is, are you putting the vice captaincy on and the captaincy on this week Clarkki?
0: So ring 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 uh, had a little had a little uh, someone uh, our favorite Ben from Supercoach Insider gave me his his insights into captains this week. Uh, so I'd be remiss not to not to give him the credit for uh, one of these options that he sent to me, which is a Bont VC into green. Uh, Bont has torn it up the last two times. Uh, the dogs have played against. Um, I forget who they're playing because I'm. It's late. It's late.
1: Bontempelli um, up against Saint Coast, Kilda.
0: Saint Kilda. That's it. Sorry. Um, torn it up against them the last two times, and then into green. Um, my pick of a VC, personally, uh, I think Clayton Oliver or uh, Max Gorn are probably primed to have a big one against Brisbane if the same Brisbane turns up. Um, Gorn is my pick of VC of the week, I think, just against Oma- OMAC.
1: I I like the Bontempelli vice-captain because he scored 184 against St. Kilda last time they played, but I also don't mind Jared Witts as a vice-captaincy option. Actually, probably more of a captaincy option considering it, they play late. Um, He doesn't really work, does he? But he he's pr- probably, a, option, yep. he's a good captaincy option because he comes up against Essendon and that's up against Draper or Phillips. So he's probably the dominant Ruckman in that. Um, depending but- on
0: your loophole though, Nick, if you're using Madden as your loophole, this is like the perfect draw. So you can literally put the VC on anyone. I think Sean Darcy against North, depending on who the Ruck is. If you've got Sean Darcy, a real chance. Um, Andrew Bracer, I think, probably bounces back um, against them. Sydney playing Hawthorne. So VCs from there, maybe maybe a Golden, maybe a Warner. Both had really good games last week, so probably could just continue that form. Um, easy one as well. Look, he hurt you last week. But this is the comeback to a baby where Adelaide on their home deck against Richmond, Rory led. For a VC option, we all know Green, um, Canelio are probably the two best captain options this week. They have the last game. They're playing West Coast. And Green ran that midfield like he did exactly what we all wanted him to do. So, you know, have some fun with the VC, but Bond makes the most sense. I like Gorn and Clary, uh, the, from the Melbourne brood.
1: All right, yeah. let me let, let me try and put a combination together without picking someone who plays later in the round. Um, my vice captain is Bontempelli. Yeah. I don't mind Doherty against Geelong as a smoky vice captaincy option. Yep. I also don't mind Connor Rosie against Collingwood either. <laughs>
0: That's spicy,
1: but I'm I'm going with Ben Bontempelli into green is what I've had locked in since since lockout opened after round one, so um, I'm with him on that. I do think Andrew Brayshaw bounces back. Um, Josh Dunkley against Melbourne is a is, yeah. is 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 a massive chance to be a good pick. We'll be um, taking
0: Lucky Neil, I reckon.
1: I also don't mind if you're around on Sunday to do the switchover. you could do a James Sicily into Tom Green as well.
0: Oh, actually that, I really like that one. Um, Sicily had a really, really good game and he's going to be integral for Hawthorne not to lead goals against Sydney. Like he's going to need to really hold that down.
1: And we are done Clarkie. We've answered all the questions. We have discussed the vice-captaincy and captaincy. Good luck in round two, community. Remember, if you have a question you'd like answered, all you have to do is tag your question with jockmailbag on social media or send an email to jockmailbag at gmail.com. And we'll talk next time. Go Ds. Go Dockers.